Hey everybody, welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host Mitchell Embry, and I just checked my calendar and it has officially been 17 days since I have set foot in a building that was not my home. Social distancing is in full effect and I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I work from home now, so I haven't really had a whole lot of excuses to get out of the house. It's, it's been crazy. But I'll tell you what I have been doing a lot of. I've been doing a lot of stretching, a lot of cooking, a lot of working out, and a lot of listening to podcasts. And it was really exciting and motivational to get to edit this week's show because it's my good friend and yours, Miss Emily Berry. Emily is not a stranger. Her husband, Chris, has been on the show. They've been together for closing in on something like seven years. And not only is Emily a good friend of mine, but she's also a registered dietitian. And she just recently started her own business as a nutrition coach. You've heard the ad probably in the earlier episodes for Emily Berry. So in this episode, we talk a lot about Chris and we talk a lot about nutrition. But she was a really fun guest. I've really enjoyed her having her as a friend for the past few years. And I've enjoyed learning from her. And our conversation today was really fun and interesting and edifying. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, so I don't want to make you wait any longer. Or maybe, I don't know, you enjoy listening to me talk because you haven't had the chance to get to listen to anybody else in a while. I don't know. Obviously, I haven't got to talk to anybody in a long time. I'm going to go ahead and shut up and let you guys listen to our conversation with our good friend, Miss Emily Berry. I made cookies with Bobby, and Aaron and Tim came over, and we played some really nerdy Marvel game. That was actually really fun. That's fun. Chris took a nap. Yeah, I mean, I so Bobby woke up last night at like three in the morning, Mm. and she went back down at five, but at that point, I was up, and so I'd already been up since three, and I was like, okay, like if any day I can take a nap, it would be today, Mm -hmm. and I hadn't had coffee in a while. And we put on a movie, and I just watched the movie. Nice. What'd you watch? Oh, it was some stupid. The Netflix. Um, it. Oh God, I don't remember. But it's about the girl who like writes these love letters, and then her sister ends up sending them. Mm, Have you seen the advertisement? I've seen the ad, and then like a the boy falls in love with her. Yeah. So it was the second one of those movies. I'd already seen the first one, but I was like, if I could fall asleep to any movie, it'd be this one. And were there two of those movies? Yes, there's two of them, wow. and I watched both of them. Um, but. I didn't fall asleep and I watched it and I actually kind of enjoyed it. So that's a very it's cheesy. Just, it's like a Valentine's Day. Yeah, movie it is sure. cheesy, but like the editing's kind of cool on it. So cool. I think that's what like intrigues me more than the story. I'm watching Sabrina, the teenage witch. Oh, so, the new one. So there's no shame. I feel, I feel so embarrassed that I'm into this stupid teenage witch like melodrama. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's definitely not a melodrama. It's just so overly dramatic. It's ridiculous. Is it like the original one? No. It's definitely oh. made for high school students or like young. It's it's made for young girls for sure. There's like lots of like very muscular boys running around without shirts on. <laughs> they do like they'll just have like moments where they break for like cheerleading routine like choreography. It's ridiculous. But for some reason I got into it. I don't know why because – it's dark and there's magic and there actually is some really interesting like cool like sci-fi vibe going on but it's ridiculous i have a question if i want to take a drink of my coffee is it best to like go over here or like back up or it really doesn't matter okay i don't want to be like making mouth noises because 
I hate mouth noises. Have you watched, um, oh, now I don't remember the name of the show. The one that's like based off of the Archie comics. Sort of. Are based Greendale? off of it. Is it called? Something Dale. Gl- yeah. Glendale. Something like that. I Riverdale. Had, Riverdale. I've not watched it, but I think it's very similar in the way that it is like done. It's bad. I mean, I, I, well, I don't want to offend anyone because a lot of people like that show, but I tried watching it. Like I watched one episode and I just couldn't. It was so bad. Yeah. When you don't like the mouth noises, that's called misophonia. Apparently. I must have that bad because any or I don't know any squishy noise like there's Chris loves this TikTok where this guy's like stirring a spaghetti mm-hmm. to make it sound like sex basically and I just ugh, <laughs> ugh. does he like it because it grosses you out well because the guy's it's a kid with his two parents and he stirs a spaghetti and then he says uh what does he say I don't want if it don't sound like this oh yeah actually he showed to his me parents that. and so like Chris just likes because it's funny and he says it to his parents but I still, I have not figured out TikTok. I just, I get it. Now I get it, what it is. Yeah. Um, but like posting, you don't understand? I don't want to do dances and I don't want to do, I would do like a little voiceover like scene. But even then, like the, some of the things I've seen people do on there that I do really like is when they do or create something really creative. And that is interesting. So I'm trying to figure out a way that maybe I could do something with like the theme song or like the theme music to the podcast and then do something creative afterwards. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, all I do is I just see what's trending, do something stupid and put nutrition words over it. That's awesome. Like some stupid dance. You. Like I can dance. I try <laughs> to dance. But it doesn't matter because you... I feel like if you use the trending song and like the trending hashtags and you start the dance, people are going to watch it. Then they're going to pay attention to what you're saying in the words. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, when I like don't remember the last like five moves, it, it doesn't really matter. I usually make something up anyways. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just be more willing to look like a fool. I mean, that's all that's, my TikTok is. And a lot of hate. A lo- there's a lot of haters on TikTok. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I say things that are controversial, like, well... <clears throat> They aren't controversial based on science. They're mm. controversial based on what people think. Mm-hmm. Like 1,200 calories is too low. Mm-hmm. So many people are like, uh, I ate 1,200 calories. I eat 300 calories a day. I'm like, okay, like that's that's an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and then I have one that just like, <laughs> I'm like these, like it was like three or four diet trends you should avoid in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I say a few and also keto, which of course the ketoers are like mm-hmm. coming at me because they're the most aggressive people. People love keto. People love keto. And I'm like, do we not remember Adkins? Like that didn't stick around. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is? Plus, yeah, I know people can lose weight on keto, mm-hmm. but it's not anything to do with the car- carb cutting. It's everything to do with the calorie restriction. Mm-hmm. And you, there are no good long-term studies on eating that low carb for a long time. Mm-hmm. So if someone's going to do it more than like six to 12 months, we don't know what that's doing to your kidneys, mm-hmm. liver, like if you're really in ketosis what how that's affecting your brain mm-hmm. um other well i mean there's some studies for like kids and epilepsy which is what keto's for yeah i've heard about that <clears throat> it's it, it's i've listened to a bunch of different podcasts joe rogan mostly because he's really into like trying to make his own diet and he does a lot of like personal experiments like i know mm-hmm. right now he's doing like an all meat thing God, and that sounds co- gross <laughs> They're kind of uh, discovering a lot of really cool things about, like, 
because he had Rashad Evans on recently, who's like an MMA fighter, and he's vegan now, and he really likes the effects that he gets from like veganism. But mm-hmm. they, also, you have to understand these people are rich. Yeah. So when they say they're doing keto, or they're saying they're doing carnivore, or they say they're doing vegan, they're doing it also with like the best possible foods and stuff like that available to them. But they were just talking about the dis- differences. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's fine doing personal experimentation and talking about it from a personal standpoint. Right. What I hate is when someone does keto and it works well for them, maybe they were able to do it in a way that wasn't as unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And they tell all of their followers on Instagram or something to do keto. Mm -hmm. And their followers then turn around and eat like bacon, hot dogs and pork rinds. Yeah. And like they don't have access to grass fed beef Mm -hmm. or to like good lean like seafood all of the time. And obviously those processed meats are extremely bad for us in high amounts yeah and i think that's really kind of like where the the argument gets lost is when they're talking about these diets they're talking about them like with the best possible ingredients available like you're talking about grass-fed meat Mm -hmm. like really good cheeses um they're not talking about like like you're saying like hot dogs and bacon and like right. crap like I mean, have food. you heard of like clean and dirty keto no those are i haven't actually looked too much into the difference but those are like two things people say that they do either do clean keto or dirty keto which i guess kind of plays into what exactly they're eating but even if you're eating the best foods and you're actually in ketosis mm-hmm. we just don't know what that does to like your system long term yeah i don't know and it's the biggest thing that gets me is it's not necessary like I get the experimentation thing. If you're already at a pretty high performance and you understand nutrition really well, right. and you're just like, I want to do this for six months to see how it affects my body mm-hmm. and if I can learn anything from it. Right. I get that. But if you're like doing it for three and four years, mm-hmm. I don't know. We just don't know. It doesn't seem worth it. And there are a few case studies of people going into ketoacidosis from the diet. There's also something to be said about the majority of people are transitioning into these diets from like a standard American diet. So just about any type of diet where you're actually now officially paying attention to what you're consuming is going to be beneficial than just eating a whole bunch of crap. But we should probably set the stage because the reason we're talking about all of this nutrition stuff is because you're a dietitian. Yes. So let's kind of set the stage so people really understand who you are and where you come from. You're Emily Berry. You're Chris Berry's wife. I am. So everybody who knows Chris knows you now. And very similar to my wife, you did not grow up in the south end of Louisville. So you are also a recent convert. uh, And you've taken to it better than she has, I think. Well, I've been in it a little bit longer. I mean, Chris and I have been together for eight and a half years Mm -hmm. now. And we've kind of, excuse me, we've kind of off and on lived in this area for a majority of that time even when we were living in Bowling Green we would come back to his dad's in the summer Mm -hmm. and now we own a house here that we've had for two years so so you started you grew up in where where where, did you live in Oldham County I did I grew up in Crestwood you live in Crestwood okay so you're in Oldham County yep in Oldham County the east east end (laughs) yeah as east end as it gets like technically not really do you did you say you were from Louisville when you were a kid um when I was a young kid no because I didn't understand like why you wouldn't say the exact town you're from you learn your address and that's what you know but Mm -hmm. 
as I got a little older and like realized that not everyone knows where Crestwood is. Mm -hmm. I, I used to say I was from Louisville. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense too. It makes sense. And where did, did you where did you go to elementary school there? I went to Crestwood Elementary. Oh, that makes sense. Which oh. they have now torn down and oh, built gosh. a huge new one. Um, and then South Oldham Middle and South Oldham High. That's so weird. Because Sarah went to, she told me the middle um, elementary school she went to, but I've forgotten because I'm horrible. I but she won't went to know North it. Oldham Middle School and North Oldham High School. Mm -hmm. So you guys like split the divide, I guess. Well, there's also an Oldham County Middle School and Oldham County High School, and then there's a few other middle schools that they've been building, but mm -hmm. the three high schools are still the same. I mean, just like people moving in. Oh yeah, it's changed so much. When we first moved there, when I was four, and I remember like there being a lot more farmland, a lot less things going on and it is just in, well i mean it's been a long time so the last like 25 years it has boomed so what was your experience like as a youngster Where, what, who, what type of kid were you shy and weird yeah yeah that's very. cool i feel like that's it. everybody feels like that yeah i mean i was very shy um i remember when i would try like new sports and stuff i would be like holding back tears the entire first practice because it was people i didn't know like i specifically remember when my mom put me in gymnastics they'd have you warm up by running around the little area and the whole time i was just like had this huge lump in my throat trying not to cry because i was so i don't even know what it was i was so afraid of people um so yeah i was very shy and looking back, I might have been a little bit of a know-it-all because I kind of, I was very much like a daddy's girl when I was a kid. And my dad's a very confident person. Um, He's a teacher, right? He is. Right. Yeah. He wasn't then. Oh, okay. He started teaching when I was in middle school, I think is when he started subbing. And then he became a teacher, I think, when I was in high school. Um, but he's always been very, like, not afraid to share his opinion and very sure that he's right. Um, mm. And you picked that up from him as a youngster? I think I did. And, like, at the time, I had no idea. But looking back, I can, you know, remember being a little bit like a know-it-all. And did that trend last in the middle school and in high school as well? Um, I don't think so because I just became really self-conscious about a lot of things. And so rather than feeling like I was right, I constantly felt like I was wrong. Mm. Or I only – like, I wouldn't even have true conversations with people because I would try to think about what they wanted me to say and say it. I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling in high school, but yeah. And even just the transition in middle school was, you know, very different for me. I walked in, um, started doing band. That was the first time I did band. I was so sure I wanted to do marching band because both of my parents did marching band. Mm -hmm. And I like was so into it. And I walked out having quit band, joined choir, and now on the school cheerleading team. So things Man, changed. so you kind of like changed a bunch. Was it because it was so small, did you spend the majority of school? When you transitioned, did most of the people from elementary school go to the same middle school yes. and then to the same high school? Yeah, most people did. We had a couple elementary schools feed into the same middle school. Mm. So that was my first experience um, with new people. And I do remember like having classes and there wouldn't be like hardly anyone from my elementary school. And I was just like, oh shit, mm -hmm. like I don't know anyone. How am I gonna make friends? Yeah. I remember that being a scary experience for me too. Well, I'm sure that Jefferson County is so much harder because you don't even have like your whole elementary school go to the same place. No. And, and then when you moved to middle school or from middle school to high school, it's the same thing. Everybody goes all over the place. And you just kind of find your little groups of people who stick together. 
Yeah. And I mean, you get reintroduced to people you used to know from elementary school who are now at your high school. That's what happened to me and Chris Young. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that would be hard in the moment. But at the same time, it gives you like more reach to be friends with more people. I didn't have hardly any friends outside of my high school. Where I feel like when Chris talks about, he was hanging out with people from a lot of different high schools. Yeah, we were. I, I think that was pretty common. Because, I mean, you got to think. There's so many high schools in Jefferson County. That's true, too. And they're all, like, five minutes from each other. So you could live in the exact same neighborhood as, like, five other people. And all you guys might go to four different high schools. Yeah. What was high school like for you? Because I've for a lot of the people who are on here, like, they'll talk about how it was really... Um, I think everybody's narrative is that's a really transformative time for you, for anybody. Some people talk about it positively. Some people talk about it negatively. How did you feel about it? Um, high school was a regrettable time. Who the fuck was I? Mm. Like, who did I think I, I mean, I, oh my gosh, my high school experience was all over the place, mostly negative. And I mean, obviously I learned from that experience, but I would say I'm mostly embarrassed of the things I did and the person that I was not right off the beginning, like freshman year was okay. Junior year or sophomore year on just kind of, I feel like went downhill, but I was dealing with a lot too. Like me and my dad had a really, really bad relationship, especially in high school. I mean, like I said, like I really looked up to him when I was a kid and he struggles with bipolar and kind of, you know, through different phases of my life that has gotten worse and better. Um, High school was a time though that, it really affected our relationship. And I think it was a lot of things that went into play with that, you know, him having first off this mental disorder, also me being his first child that became a teenager and I was a girl teenager. So Mm. I had a lot of big emotions that I didn't know how to deal with. And he didn't know how to deal with me dealing with those. And it just turned south really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so then you responded to those feelings in a way that you wish you hadn't? Yes, I wish... I mean, like, if I can be honest, I wish he had been more capable of dealing with me because I don't think that at the beginning it was really my fault that I was having, like, outbursts or feeling like things were the end of the world or whatever I was doing. Um, But he didn't know how to respond to that. And when he would respond to it negatively, it would just create this huge fight. Yeah. And some really mean words would be said. And I started to really lose a lot of confidence in myself and so if that wasn't the time that you really found yourself because for some people it is yeah for some people it's not it's not for me where would you describe that for yourself oh definitely when i finally went to culinary school i i mean i was still living at home at the time and that was when it started i would say it kind of progressed all the way to when we moved to new york um but it was my chance to not be the girl that I had this reputation of being in mm-hmm. high school. It was, I mean, I literally, in the senior superlatives, I got voted the worst troublemaker. Oh, uh, so you're a troublemaker. I didn't make a lot of trouble, but I did get in trouble really bad one time. Oh, you. So, so what happened to you in high school was you had one really bad experience that got you in a lot of trouble. With the school, yeah. And I mean, I was in trouble with my parents all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> with the school, I got um, suspended and then went to... Um, it's like th- this Buckner alternative school. Oh, so you got suspended to like the board. Yeah. I Well, I was actually suspended for three days and then I was at Buckner for, I think, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, it sucked. 
Were you like the only kid in the, your school that had had that experience? No, 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 no. I was going to say. But people didn't expect it from me. Like, I well, see. a lot of people didn't. I mean, the people that knew that I smoked a lot of weed mm. knew, like, probably could see that coming. But I got good grades. I did sports. I did on the outside looking in. It probably seemed like I was a good kid. But I was also promiscuous and mm-hmm. I drank and smoked weed mm-hmm. and... um through a really crappy situation got caught with two ounces that actually wasn't mine in my car by the drug dogs and that is what sent me to buckner wow oh it does that does not happen (laughs) at south oldham they said that that was the i think the most weed that they had found on somebody really wow and you own that though now so like you got stuck in that situation uh you obviously had to suffer the consequences for it but it tainted your high school experience well i mean that it, that was just like the cherry on top. Yeah. So after high school, did you go straight to culinary school? I did two weeks in between. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I started in the summer semester. I senior year before senior year, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Um, I liked cooking. I liked baking. And my mom, who worked for Sullivan's Pharmacy School at the time, told me about this culinary camp that they had. So I went there um, the summer before my senior year of high school. And that was, it was the first time that I was able to be outside of my group of like my high school people. I kind of got to reinvent myself for a second and it felt really, really good. And I started falling in love with cooking in the process. And that was when I realized I wanted to go to culinary school. And so, yeah, two weeks after I graduated, I started at Sullivan and that wasn't a really, really amazing experience for me because I did get to finally just like kind of wash my slate clean and go in as this girl that nobody knew nobody knew any of like the rumors or history about me and I just got to be who I wanted to be an opportunity to reinvent yourself yeah that's awesome that that's what that transition is for lots of people it's cool that you capitalize on it because some people don't oh yeah I mean I was ready I was I had that point I had had to stop smoking weed because I was going through a lot of drug testing because you know after I got in trouble I had to go to counseling and these like drug class things which also t- drug tested you so I lost a lot of friends in that time and I was just ready to get out of that whole situation I was not sad at all when I graduated high school <laughs> <laughs> so you're at Sullivan your mom works for the the school but so, in a different capacity right? yeah she works for the pharmacy school gotcha so like i didn't really see her i mean it's like a different building and everything in fact now she's worked there for a while and now she's the dean of the pharmacy school Damn. so go mom fancy pants yeah um but yeah i started sullivan and um that's actually where i met chris mm. so and that was a, like a year after i started about was when i met him um yeah, yeah. I actually, when I started Sullivan, thought I wanted to do baking, mm-hmm. which is insane to think about now because I kind of hate baking. But when I was in high school, I did like to do a lot of cake decorating. Um, and that was kind of what sparked my interest in going. And I even signed up for the baking and pastry program first. But the first two classes that everyone takes are the exact same. It's like an intro to culinary and intro to baking. And I very quickly realized that I hated baking. So I just swapped to the culinary school. What was it about baking that you hated? It's so annoying. You have to so precisely measure everything, weigh everything. If you mess one thing up, there is no coming back. It is so unforgiving. Um, and you kind of have to like hurry up and wait sort of yeah. thing. Because you do all the stuff and then you just put it in the oven and you're doing nothing. And cooking is like exactly the opposite. You don't have to have a recipe. You don't even <laughs> have to know what you're making when you start. You just 
go for it and you're constantly doing something and it's exciting and a little more creative yeah well i don't know i think both can be creative in their own sense um but i just definitely clicked a lot more with culinary i'm a big fan of the great british baking show yeah and i think the things you learn from watching that show is one it's basically food chemistry basically i mean that's what you're doing you're trying to you're trying to control all of these chemical reactions and physical reactions to a very specific degree and also they do a lot of hurry up and waiting so there'll be times when they're like frantically chopping stuff up and then there'll be times when they're just like all sitting with their legs crossed like waiting for their cakes to bake yeah and that would drive me insane yeah it's the worst i mean even when i'm cooking like when i was working in restaurants and stuff i feel like i'd always like have to like shake something or like Mm -hmm. stir something you just i don't know you want to keep busy yeah so you started in culinary school was chris already there he was he He was, was so he started that soon also well, I graduated oh, you 2010. Are younger than him. Yes. Duh. Duh. Um, okay. So you showed up straight yeah. in after high school. How long had Chris been there? Two semesters, but he had he was only one semester or they were quarters, they weren't semesters. He was only one quarter ahead of me because that was when he something happened. He got sick and he ended up missing too many classes and they have a pretty strict attendance policy there. Hmm. So he ended up failing all of his classes from getting sick and then had to retake them. Yeah. He went back, redid his first quarter, and then he was in his second quarter while I was in my first. And what was your opinion of him when you met him? Was he like the so, Mac Daddy? <laughs> I didn't meet him until I was in Garmage, which is like the third class that you take. That's so fancy. Is that French? Uh, Probably. That's a sure. lot of culinary terms are French, mm. but it basically means cold prep. Okay. So it's a lot of like salads and learning how to make sausages and then like doing like beef tartare and other nasty stuff. Um. But I remember, I remember this day so specifically the day that I met him. Um, and I don't have a very good memory, so this is saying a lot. But it was me and my group members. We were in the library trying to get ready for one of our practicals where you make a big meal for the chef and get graded on it. Um, and we were in there studying, and Chris and his friend Brandon walk in, and they knew somebody in my group. I didn't know either of them at the time. And so they just walk up and start talking to us, and... I was like, ooh, they're both kind of cute. Um, but me and Chris just really hit it off. And we talked for a long time, just the two of us. Um, we actually talked about, oh, what was that show? It wasn't The Biggest Loser, Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition. Because mm. Chris was telling me how he just lost a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I watched this show. And he watched it too. And so that's what we talked about. Um, and then I didn't really see him again for a little while, but he invited me to a basketball game and we just kind (laughs) of, so Chris, right? That sounds just (laughs) like something Chris would do. I'm going to invite, I'm going to play this basketball game and I'm going to invite everybody around me and see if they want to participate. And literally he was, he invited everyone he was talking to. I think he just walked up to the table I was at when we were eating lunch and was like, hey, like who isn't going to this basketball game? Who can I invite? Who can I make one to come? Mm -hmm. And he may have had an agenda. He may have wanted you to be there. I don't think so. Really? I think, you know how Chris is. I've never known. I can never tell what Chris actually wants or (laughs) what his actual plan is. He always just wants people to be around him. Yeah. That's, that's really what he wants. Um, but yeah, when he invited me to that game, I was dating somebody too. Oh, so it probably snap. wasn't. But I actually brought my boyfriend of the time to the game. Um, but even once me and Chris were kind of starting to hang out more one-on-one and I was kind of starting to like him, I couldn't tell if he liked me because he is so freaking friendly to everybody 
and he's just so like overly like just giving to people around him I'm like well like what am I really special or is this just how he is so I remember I called up my friend Evan who was going to Western at the time we met in E-Town trying to like meet between Bowling Green and Louisville and we had dinner we went to a Mexican restaurant and I was just like Evan I need your opinion I can't tell if this guy likes me or not I think I like him here's what's going on he made me like a four course dinner for my birthday he did this this and this and my friend was like oh you're stupid he definitely likes you yeah he just wasn't overt. He wasn't going to straight up come out and tell you. Right. But I also had just broken up like a couple months ago with a boyfriend that I had been with like on and off for three years. So gotcha. I think that probably played into a lot of why he wasn't being overt. Also, Chris, I don't think is that overt with like no. girls in general. In the entire time that I've known him, I never knew of him ever pursuing a relationship with anybody until all of a sudden he was dating you. He did have one other girlfriend at Sullivan. I never met her. So I didn't I know. I always that. forget her name, though. And she think, doesn't matter. I think it's Brittany, maybe. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, you missed out, Brittany. Um, so you guys, uh, what happened then? Were you taking lots of classes together and stuff like that? Or was that a possible, possible um, thing? We actually, I don't think, took any classes together. You mostly went through with your same kind of mm-hmm. like cohort of people. Um, but we started running together a lot. That was like a thing we did in the beginning, which is crazy to think about now. We used to run and have conversation at the same time. I don't think I could do that. No way. Like who who is able to do that? How are we able to do that? I don't know. But yeah, we ran together a lot. He made me play basketball a lot. That's never stopped. Um, <laughs> and yeah, eventually, oh gosh, the beginning of our relationship was a little bit rough. So I basically told him i like you but i don't know if i'm over my ex Mm -hmm. so do with that what you will like it was i don't even know what the point of me telling well i know what the point of me telling him that was is i didn't want another girl to snag him up Mm -hmm. but i also wasn't sure i was ready to date somebody i was being really selfish for the basically the first like six months of our relationship i was pretty selfish you're also being legit though yeah you're being honest but like when we did decide to start dating I really should have cut ties with my ex, and I did not. You live, you learn. How old were you? 20. 20? You were a baby. You were a teeny baby. Yeah. I mean, I I don't really hold a lot of guilt anymore about that time, but I do wish it could have been different. Oh, well. No point in wishing it could be different. I wish I hadn't just deleted the second half of Ryan Ray's (laughs) podcast, but I fucking did. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, (laughs) I guess it's just like the fact that, you know, I still live with this person. I have made this huge life with this person. I hate the fact that I hurt him. Yeah. And I can't do anything about it now other than just try not to hurt him again. But it still does kind of suck. Yeah, I think once you, I mean, like, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. You get in a relationship with somebody, you're going to hurt him. That was part of the plot of that stupid movie I watched yesterday was like that you don't have this fairy tale ending. You do end up hurting each other, but it's how you get through that. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it. I, man, I needed that movie in high school. I could have learned so much. I know. <laughs> TV and movies have gotten so much better. Oh my gosh, they have. We watched, what did we watch last night? We watched Hancock. Oh, that's which I remember thinking, damn, that's a good ass movie. It is a good movie, right? No. <gasps> it's not? It needs to be a TV show. There's way too much backstory about Will Smith's character and what was her name? Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron's character that could be cool as shit. That's just not there. I mean, mm. it was still a, it was a good movie. 
Yeah, well, I might not want to rewatch it because I do remember really liking it. I, don't I, know, I, like, I, I will say I enjoyed it last night, but I remember feeling the way that I felt the first time I watched it. Like, I'd like to know more. I wish there was more time to learn more. Yeah, and what's really crazy is movies that we watched when we were, like, kids that were your favorite movies to rewatch those. And then you're just like, what the hell was I watching? How could I have, like, sat through this? I, I haven't watched it, but do you remember the movie Uncle Buck? A little bit. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it. It was it was one of my favorite movies of all time. It had, uh, oh God, what's his name? I think I know who you're talking about. Because um, he like- John um, Candy. Yeah, where it, he is, is he even really their uncle? No. Well, yeah, I think he is. But he, he like doesn't know what to do with kids. And yeah, that's like a, the whole premise of, of the scumbag. movie. Yeah, he's kind of a scumbag. And her, their parents of these kids are like desperate for somebody to watch their kids. And he like, he's out of a job. But I would love to watch it again, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were like, yeah, we watched Uncle Buck the other day, and it does not hold up. Oh, no. And I was bummed. Um, but it's because, I mean, TV is, like, so crazy it's good these days. insanely good. What are some of your favorite shows right now? Oh, gosh. I said I'm watching Sabrina, which I'm embarrassed about. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're the obvious. Right now, I'm not watching a lot of tv we just got done watching don't fuck with cats i'm a big documentary guy now oh so it's a documentary yeah oh, okay it's about this crazy dude who kills a cat online and then he gets like a bunch of hate and so people are trying to find him oh isn't that illegal though oh yeah but he did it he did it he posted a video of it and nobody he was like find me oh he was like that's yeah. so insane that's crazy you guys watch anything good um, so I watched you. I like flew through that. Sarah watched you. She really liked but it. But I really liked Dexter. That was that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. I feel like you has a lot of similarities to Dexter. It, it did feel. I tried to watch Dexter, but I just it was such a huge investment, and I just never really bought in. Yeah, I mean, we that was a big thing me and Chris did together in like the summers because we were both going to the school and working for the school, so we'd get summers completely off, um, and we would just blow through old seasons of Dexter so I could get caught up. That's fun. So you guys were going to Sullivan, cooking, and then you were working at Sullivan in their restaurant that they have there? Chris did his culinary internship at the restaurant there. I was working at Domino's. That was like the place that I worked the longest before I, I think that might still be the place that I've worked the longest. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. But I loved it. Oh my gosh. Working in pizza was like, if I didn't go to college, I'd probably try to open up like Domino's or manage domino stores. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, and then when I did my culinary internship, I did it at a restaurant called Equus, which is off Shelbyville Road. It's Fancy. actually owned by Dean Corbett, who's like a big time chef in Louisville. I don't know if you know him. I don't know him. That's cool though. Was it like a fancy place? Um, it was like an upscale, like American type of place. It wasn't, so he owns what's called Corbett's, which is like the one of the fanciest restaurants around. I'm not even sure if it's still open. I don't feel like I hear about it at all. But anyways, then he also owned this, which was like half bar, half restaurant, but it was, I guess you'd call it like a gastropub type of thing. Gotcha. And you cooked for them and that was your job? Mm-hmm. That's cool. And what did you learn about yourself during that time? Because, I mean, you're not pursuing, you're not a chef. Yeah. Well, so just during the whole time at Sullivan and all yeah. of that, I took one nutrition class. Gotcha. That was part of the curriculum, and I loved it. So I always loved, like, health-type sciences. In high school, anatomy was my absolute favorite class, like, other than choir, but that doesn't really count. Um, and then it, at Sullivan, I took nutrition and fell in love with that. And 
I pretty quickly knew that I didn't want to just be a restaurant chef because of the hours and the pay. They both really suck. So I was thinking of what I could do differently. And that's when I decided to pursue like dietetics, even though I didn't really know what it was when I started it. Um, But yeah, that's what led me to like nutrition. That's really so being a restaurant chef. You just have to have a passion for it. It just to be something yeah, you love. Yeah, or you have to own a restaurant. I yeah. mean, if you own a restaurant, it might be worth it. But no matter what, even if you get to the top in that field, you're going to be putting in a lot, a lot of hours. And I'm just someone that really prioritizes like a life balance, like a work-life balance. And I just didn't want to continue to work nights and weekends for the rest of my life. And chefs and restaurants like your sous chef even you know your executive chef they aren't making more than like forty thousand dollars a year and they're probably working like oh insane insane hours 80 hours yeah yeah. after in the evenings mm -hmm. and i did for a while after i became a dietitian i ran a kitchen at an assisted living facility um i was like basically the executive chef there and i was working 70 80 hours a week on salary making fifty thousand dollars a year and i just i hated that i hated my life i would cry like every single day i mean luckily we didn't like have a kid then that would be so much worse but even still like it's just a lot of work that sounds like a lot of work and you're not getting reimbursed burst for it very well and i didn't i mean i like cooking i don't like managing people Mm. and that's a big part of running a kitchen is managing Mm. your staff and i i hated that piece of it i was a shit manager so how long were you at sullivan before you guys moved on a year and a half. A year and a half. And then I, there was like six or nine months in between Sullivan and when we went to Western. So after Sullivan, you guys both have a culinary degree at this mm-hmm. point, right? And then you guys both decide to go to Western Kentucky? Yeah, that was actually kind of funny. I knew I wanted to go to Western. Gotcha. I knew I wanted to pursue dietetics. Um, and I had already got all my stuff, like all my eggs in a row. Wait, that's not the right. All my ducks in a row? Ducks come from eggs. I think you were fine. <laughs> but... Then for Christmas, one of the gifts Chris gave me was his acceptance letter to Western. And my, my reaction wasn't like great. I was just a little <laughs> shocked. I was in my head. I was like, I'm going to like get to reinvent myself again kind of feeling. And all of a sudden now Chris is coming with me, which is like fine. But also, I don't know. It was just a lot to take in in the moment. And I did react pretty badly. And I, I felt kind of bad about it. But really? I mean, I wasn't like mad at him. I just didn't act happy. He hadn't told you he was doing that. Yeah, no, he just, for Christmas, he gave me his acceptance letter to Western. Yeah, do you like surprises? Are you a surprise-likey person? Um, yeah, normally. Really? I think it was just a lot to take in in the moment, but I'm glad he came with me. Yeah, that's really cool. And so you guys moved up there. So you're in dietetic school. That's a hard word for me to say. Dietetics. Dietetics. Yes. Was it, like, was it revelatory for you? Did you suddenly decide like, this is a place, this is a thing that I'm interested in and this is something that I'm passionate about? No. Okay. What was I did like? not realize my passion until I started doing what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, it was eye opening at first because I'd went from a mostly like arts based associates degree, even though it was a technically an associates of science, but to a very science based undergrad program and my first semester they put me in a 300 level class that's high and i mean we technically went in i think with enough credits to be juniors but i felt like a freshman Mm -hmm. i had never been in that kind of setting before um and so it was just it was an adjustment it was a lot of work and 
I also, during that time, was just continuing to sort of figure out who I was. Me and Chris moved in together. That was new. So who I was as like a person with a roommate. I never had a roommate before. Who I was with a person living with their boyfriend. Who I was with going to university and why you know it was so different because at Sullivan you kind of have the same classes with the same people most of the time of course you know at, in college it's a lot different like at that kind of college mm-hmm. so what you had started off was almost like an extension of high school like different people all of a sudden but then you're with those same people for a year and a half mm-hmm. and then now you're just thrown into the mix and it was and it was hard classes i mean you just you had to do things a lot differently i had the same thing when i went for my masters of just the step up it takes to be successful in those classes is a little bit of a shock oh i definitely can relate to the feeling of finding yourself in college and it not being what you expect it to be yeah and it was it's not fun I mean, I, I've always been okay at school. Like, I've always been good at test taking. I, I don't really know why. Um, but that really helped me. I do remember, though, when I was applying for dietetic internships, because that's the big thing you do after you get your undergrad. You have to apply for this, these competitive programs to, like, basically work for free for a year, work on your master's, and then you can become a dietitian. Uh-huh. But I was starting to apply for these programs. You have to do a lot of work to apply for them. And I remember telling Chris, is this even worth it? I don't know that I want to be a dietitian because a lot of what they teach you is the clinical side. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that is the biggest focus when you become a dietitian is how to work in a hospital, how to work with sick people. And I didn't love it. I didn't want to work in the clinical setting. And Chris basically was like, you're so invested in this. Just do it. You can do the internship. You'll get a lot of experience in a lot of different areas and see what it's like. Obviously, I'm glad I did. But I did have this moment towards the end of my like journey through Western that I really, really questioned if I was making the right decision. That's super hard. That's so hard. I imagine a lot of people have that feeling when you, you make a decision about something you're going to pursue when you're 20 and now you're 23 and you're at the end of it and you're like, Ooh, is this even the thing that I wanted to do? Yeah. I can definitely relate to that experience also. So you, you're in these classes, you're in Bowling Green. What was it like for the first time living in a city where you're, I mean, you're not completely by yourself because you have Chris there with you, yeah. but your family's not there. You're kind of on your own. Um, to be honest, like I don't really remember any specific times where like the fact that we weren't around our parents really hit me that hard. That was the first time I moved out of my parents' house mm-hmm. was when we went to Bowling Green. I don't really remember. My brother actually ended up going to Western too. So mm. my family did come for a little bit. Oh. But So you had a support system around you. Well, if I think he came two years after I was there. Gotcha. And I was more supporting him. Wasn't your friend Wes already? Oh, no, your brother's name is Wes. Evan. Evan. Your, yes. Was he already there? Yeah. Yep. So that's cool. Yeah. And I met up with him a few times. The hardest thing for me was I did not make friends for a very long time. Um, and so like my birthday is in October. So we started in August and my birthday comes and like, I don't really have anyone to celebrate. And I'm pretty sure it was my 21st birthday. I remember because Kelly, Chris's friend Kelly came mm-hmm. down and like, we all went to Nashville together, but I basically, I love Kelly. But at the time I felt a little bit like Chris is basically borrowing friends for me <laughs> because I have none. <laughs> That's funny. He's good about that, though. Yeah. And honestly, at this point, it used to really bother me that I felt like I had to use Chris to get friends. 
Um, but at this point, I don't care. Like, I like Chris's friends, and I don't mind if they, like, if his personality draws them in, and then they also want to be friends with me. Well, I don't think they're Chris's friends, because you're here. That's and true. Chris isn't yeah. here. But, I mean, I guess people that start as Chris's okay, friends. Okay, I see, yeah. Uh, I just think it would be hard. I've never lived in a city that my parents didn't live in. And I was just curious if living in Bowling Green prepared you for your next big step. Oh, yeah. Because after you finished your undergrad at Bowling Green, in, at Western in Bowling Green, you, was it immediately after that you started looking for those internships? Oh, yeah. It was while I was in my undergrad. And I just had a thought of, I might have been a little bit more prepared because after Sullivan, in between Sullivan and Western, I actually went to Italy by myself for a month. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that experience was like hugely, like a big shock to me. So moving to Bowling Green didn't seem that scary after Mm -hmm. I went to a foreign country where I didn't speak the language and was by myself for a month. Well, let's talk about that thing because that seems very interesting. It's weird that I kind of forgot about that in the story. But yeah, I... I actually had watched Mamma Mia and I fell in love with like the scenery, which actually is in Greece. But at the time, Greece wasn't the safest place to travel. And Italy's pretty close. Mm -hmm. And I love Italian food. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go to Italy. I want to see what it's about. I always wanted to travel by myself and just experience that and see what it's like. And I just decided that I was going to go to Italy. I was going to go for a month and I was going to go by myself. And how did you set that up? What was the process for that? Because that's, I mean, that's an endeavor. Yeah. Well, Chris helped a lot because I kind of wanted to go and just like figure it out as I went, not even know which cities I was going to go to next. And you know how Chris is a big planner and he was like, no, you are not going to a foreign country without a plan. You have to at least have your like places you're going to stay booked and your trains and stuff booked. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you probably would have been fine as long as you had plenty of cash. Well, I did. I ended up changing a lot of the plans, which is okay too. Yeah. Um, but at least I had places to stay. Right. Worst case scenario, and then I, I also went to like a week long cooking school, Ooh. and so I had that kind of in the middle as like a bit of a structured schedule to like, well, I can do what I want, but then I have to be here for a week, and then I can go do what I want. Um. So yeah, I just figured out where I was going to go. I spent most of the time in southern Italy. Um. After doing some research, I just realized that's. That was kind of closer to Greece. And so that's where I wanted to be. And I, yeah, I booked all my places, booked my flight, had to rebook it because I messed up some date or something, which cost me like 500 extra dollars. Mm. And that sucked. But at the end of the day, I mean, I was spending like a few thousand dollars on this trip. What cities did you visit? I visited Rome, Naples. Um, that was where I spent most of the time was probably in Naples. And then I went down all the way to Lecce, which is a city at the very Southern end, like in the heel of the boot. And that's where I went to the cooking school was mm-hmm. in Lecce, which was really cool. The city, that was the first place that I went. That wasn't like one of the big main cities. No one spoke English. When I got there, I got off the train and I didn't have very good directions to my like Air- Airbnb place or it wasn't Airbnb. It was actually a bed and breakfast mm-hmm. um, that I was staying. I didn't have very good directions. And so I, I walk off the train with my rolly suitcase that has a broken wheel now. Cause it's all cobblestone streets. Like who brings a rolly suitcase on a month long trip? I should have gotten a backpack, but anyways, I'm like dragging my rolly suitcase, have no idea where I'm going. And I don't know how to speak the language, but I know that it's near this church called like Santa Maria. And so I know how to say where, and I know how to say church. And so I just walk up to some random people at a restaurant, and I'm like, uh, Dove Chiasa Santa Maria? 
And these nice ass people like walk with me and like point <laughs> at this church and they're just like, and I'm just like, yes, they understood what I was trying to say, even though I know I'm not, I'm probably just like, where church, where church? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, they walk with me and they point at this church. And so I walk to the church and I'm like trying to call the guy that owns the bed and breakfast and he barely speaks English. Mm. But he, like, finds me, just this lost-looking white girl, like, oh, I don't know where I am. You're probably easy to spot. Yeah, probably. And he finds me, and he, like, takes me, and I make it there, okay? And then um, it was pretty easy to find the rest of the stuff from there. What was the cooking school like? It was really awesome. I was the youngest person by, like, 30 years there. Wow. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's expensive. It was, like, over $1,000 to go for that week. So, I mean, I'm guessing that's why a lot of young people don't go. Right. But it was really awesome. This guy who actually is from Tennessee, but he's lived in Italy. I think his family's Italian. Um, and he's lived there a really long time. But we would we- meet up in the morning at this coffee shop and we'd all get our coffees and like our croissants and stuff. And then we'd go to the market and he would walk us around the market and he would like teach us how to ask for things in Italian. So we'd each get to take turns like talking to the butcher. Cause I mean, in, at the market, everything's separate. It's not like our supermarkets here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we could ask for whatever cuts of meat we needed or ask for if they had certain vegetables. We would go back to his house, actually, where he ran the cooking school. And we would prep everything up for dinner because we were making all of the pasta. So we had to prep it all in the morning. And while we were prepping, they would be making us lunch. So usually like lunch was provided by them and then we would come back and be able to make our dinner in the evening oh that's cool and he set up a lot of other cool things too because it wasn't just cooking it was like cooking and culture gotcha we did a tour of the town we were in and so we got to learn a lot about that we took a trip out to this other town i think it was called like otranto or something that sounds like that and it's on the ocean and so that was really cool we got to see the ocean and learn the mediterranean was it on that side Yes. That's really cool. Maybe. Probably. Um, anyways, we got to see that in like the town and that was really cool. And so, I, I mean, I definitely am super appreciative that I did that as part of it because the rest of the trip was kind of self-planned. And so, even though it was awesome and I got to do a lot of cool things, it, it was most of the touristy stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to get that stuff. Had you ever been to Italy before? No, I'd never been to Europe. Yeah, then you got to get the touristy stuff in mm-hmm. for sure. So you saw the Colosseum and all that stuff? I did. So Man. after so after that, I actually went back to Naples because I loved it so much. I didn't feel like I had enough time there. Also, from Naples, um, Mount Vesuvius and mm. Pompeii is really close. So I did that while I was in Naples. And the island of Capri is close. And so I went there, um, which is really pretty. They have this thing called the Blue Grotto, which is like this cave that it's like really small opening cave you get in there with this little rowboat that you have to like lay down to get inside but once you're in the cave the way the light hits it literally looks like there's like blue light coming up from the bottom oh that's awesome so it's just like this blue glowy water inside of this cave um so i got to do that that was near naples and i just really loved the city so i went to naples and i went down to lecce and came back to naples um and then i actually met my mom in rome because the last week i was there my mom did come over so i wasn't totally by myself the whole time um and we did a lot of the touristy stuff together so we did the Colosseum in rome um what else did we do did you see the vatican we, yeah we went to the vatican did you see all the wieners covered up by the palm leaves well they were covered they, they, they show the wieners pretty sure or did the, I've, i thought that in the vatican there was like a pope that went crazy and he made them chop all the wieners off of the I, don't, I mean there's a lot of wieners in italy like a lot of statues everywhere i'm pretty sure there's wieners at the vatican 
I don't think there are. But when you go to the Sistine Chapel, which is like super cool, mm-hmm. they are so strict. You cannot talk. You can't take pictures. And there's this like guard that just stands up there and like every like 30 seconds, he just like silence and yells that because people, you know, start to whisper a little bit. Mm. Um, and they probably have the people there don't even speak English, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the Vatican was really cool and it's huge. And honestly, out of all of Italy, I kind of got sick of art by the end of it. Wow. I'm just like... I don't, I like art. It's pretty. I don't super appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm more into like history type of stuff. So, and there's just a lot of art in Italy. But like, it's, it's like, still really cool. Like painted art. Yeah. And I, I you know, there's sculptures and, sculpture. and uh, tapestries. I mean, the mm. Vatican is just insane. They have so many cool things. Um, but yeah, we did that. We went to Florence, which was really nice. That's probably my second favorite city behind Naples. And then... We went up to Venice. Man, I need to go to Italy. I'm sure Sarah will get me to Italy. Yeah, she does love to travel. And then you came home to Bowling Green. Gross. Well, I came home to Louisville for the rest of the Uh, summer. Okay. And Chris and I, at that point, like I had saved up a shit ton of money to go to Italy and I didn't spend it all. So I wasn't working and I had some leftover money. Chris, who was working at Bellarmine at the time, was laid off for the summer, but he had been living with his dad and making quite a bit of money so he had a bunch of money saved up we weren't working we had money and we had like the best summer ever we just went camping for like three weeks straight Mm. um and we were just buying stuff for the new apartment going apartment hunting which we'd never like done before that was oh my gosh i always look back on that summer as one of my favorite times um and then yeah and then we moved to bowling green and it was still really exciting because it was new it was our first time moving out and I mean, it was our first apartment, which we had a fucking nice apartment. Yeah, you guys did have it. was big. And it was $575 a month. That's cheap. Yeah. And it was like two bedrooms, two full bathrooms. Both bedrooms had walk-in closets. I didn't know like how good we had it. Did you guys have a roommate or did you guys just share it? Just nope. It was just us. I mean, $575. Yeah. Like, we can make that between it's two a people. a couple, yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, technically the second bedroom was supposed to be for Chris, but... We, it was a music room and oh i see you guys were still playing that game <laughs> we at the were, time. yeah my, my parents weren't super keen on us moving in together i don't think or they weren't too upset about it but we did tell them it was two rooms Mm-mm-mm. scandalous yeah <laughs> i know uh, i had some fun at that at that apartment we came down because you guys had friends givings down there a couple of times we did yeah and that was really fun we had some time i met some interesting people there a few times i still follow tristan on facebook oh do you yeah, yeah. He's doing his we thing. were just talking about him the other day because his phone number has changed and so chris hasn't mm-hmm. talked to him in forever but he like off of facebook he seems to be doing really well Good yeah for him so you did bowling green you finished your degree what was your ultimate what was your degree in nutrition and dietetics nutrition and dietetics that mm-hmm. word again <laughs> yep that word again now you did an internship did you have to do an internship before your to get your degree um not to get my degree but to become a dietitian you have to do they call it like the dietetic internship program it's 1200 hours um and like there's all of these like qualifications for it i would like say it's similar to like a doctor having to do like rotations or something i mean Mm -hmm. not obviously quite as intense but yeah you have to do you know a clinical rotation and a community rotation i did a research rotation and a food service one and there's like all of these qualifications you have to do and pass all of that um and most programs are 
like you're taking master's classes at the same time and then you can finish your master's afterwards if you want um, but yeah it's a year-long process and so what was the internship that you selected uh like which college yeah so i applied for four um because it's pretty competitive and the way that they match it is you like rank your first four and if you don't get into the top one it moves you to the second one they have to rank you too I don't know. It's this confusing whole process. Like, I think it's something like 50% of people that apply don't get in. Mm. But I picked all four in New York because me and Chris talked about it. We were like, I have this year where we could basically just go live anywhere. I mean, you know, we only have to commit there for a year. And we were thinking either Seattle or New York City. And at the end of the day, it was like, we can drive to New York. We can drive home. I mean, it's long, but we can do it. We cannot drive to Seattle. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had been to New York. I'd never been to Seattle. And so that's what we picked. So I applied for four colleges there. Ended up getting into Lehman College, which is in the Bronx. And that is where I did my internship. And you were there for a year? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we ended up being in New York a little bit over a year because we moved like two months before it started and stayed. It took me a little over a year to finish just with timing and stuff. And that time, I imagine, was crazy. That time was absolutely crazy. For a lot of reasons, obviously, New York City. Um, and, yeah, everything that comes with that. Also, our, like, friend and old co-worker, Danny, moved in with us. And oh, we, yeah. all three of us were in this teeny tiny apartment in East Harlem in Manhattan. And I had never had a roommate that wasn't Chris. And so this was a whole new experience for me of, like, how to be just a roommate with someone. I was kind of a bitch. I'm not going to oh. lie. <laughs> I mean, Danny's a little messy, but like I was definitely kind so of a bitch. So is my wife. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah, I can imagine that would be challenging because I was in, I stayed in that apartment. Um, it was a little snug. Mm-hmm. You guys had it turned into a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, it wasn't a two bedroom. But it wasn't we, a two we, we bedroom turned it apartment. Into, we took the living room and made it a bedroom, and then we had that second bedroom, and then the little eating area off the kitchen. We turned it into the living room. Yeah, and then there was just the kitchen. In the tiny hallway of a kitchen. It worked. I mean, it worked. We were there for an entire year, and we all survived, and we got a dog, and we had a cat. It was so crazy and stupid. Like, why did we have so many animals? I don't know. The bathroom, I think, was probably the craziest thing for me, because I'd never seen a stand-up shower that also had a tub, but you could not sit down in that oh, tub. Oh, yeah. No, I tried taking baths in that tub. What it, was the point of that tub even I, being there? I guess if you had kids, maybe? Uh, that makes sense. That would be the only thing. I and then see we that. also The other thing was we tried to keep the litter box in that tiny bathroom because where else were we going to put it? Mm-hmm. And there was just constantly litter everywhere and it stunk. And his food was also in the bathroom because we would like lock him in the bathroom while we were gone because our cat had a tendency to like pee on things. I don't know. It was this crazy, crazy experience. That with sounds just like the crazy. apartment in general. I mean, that's not even counting, like, the city. The city is one of my favorite places in the world. It's one of the only big cities. That, I've been to a few others now. But how do you feel about it after having lived there? What, what, so what was, the, what was that process like? Like, moving there, I imagine, was a big deal. And, and then just mm-hmm. once you got there, now all of a sudden. Yeah, so we, how did we get there? I don't even remember who helped us move. Someone had to have helped us. Maybe it was my parents. I have no idea. Um, I told you I have like a shit memory. But yeah, we got there. And for the first month, we had no responsibilities. Like Chris was kind of looking for a job. Um, My internship didn't start until August. We moved July. I had a... Oh, my parents did help us. Because I remember they were there July 4th weekend. Because we went to my cousin's house who lived in Brooklyn. 
And this is a cousin that I hadn't seen since I was probably like six. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my grandma told me that he lived in New York City. And so I reconnected with him. Um, and we went to his apartment to like sit on the roof and watch the fireworks because they do this big Fourth of July fireworks thing. Um, so, yeah, we moved there. And right in the beginning, we actually spent a lot of time just hanging out in the apartment. I think it was a little bit um, overwhelming to take on the whole city. But we were staying mostly in our little neighborhood, our our little area, figuring out what was around, where the grocery stores were, how to go grocery shopping when you don't have a car and you have to carry all your own groceries, um, where the laundromat was, how to transport laundry. Like, there's a lot. There was a big learning curve on just how to do life in New York. So I'm really glad we went up early because it, it took some adjustment to just figure out how to live there. That's interesting. I never even thought about that. I mean, it's it's really your day-to-day thing. Oh, and like the trash is different. It's a law. You have to recycle. The building will get fined if you don't do your recycling correctly. We learned that. Like the hard way, our super got super mad at us because we didn't do it. I mean, we don't get fined. The building does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just figuring out everything. And then you start to learn the culture. You start to learn how people are. You start to get good at the subway system. And I think I'm probably going to go visit New York in a couple of weeks here. And it's just like it's not even intimidating to go there anymore yeah well you lived there for a year and a half yeah i imagine it was really exciting at first Mm -hmm. and then once you realized that you were living there then it was just life yeah and then the challenges i imagine peaked in yeah and also i mean i started with my internship so i'm working full-time for free basically and having to switch jobs every couple of months because you know your internships like each rotation is only like two to four hundred hours So it's constantly like having a new job. And I was also going to school. Like school would be nights from like six to nine. Um, And so, yeah, it was just, it started to become pretty challenging. And it was about a month into my internship. I actually got in a pretty big fight with Danny because I was struggling a lot at that time. I, my very first rotation was not one where the preceptor was very guiding. I think she really anticipated on the interns coming in and doing their thing like like we should know what to do but I wasn't a dietitian yet I had just finished my undergrad I didn't know how to be an intern yet this was my first rotation and I constantly felt like I wasn't doing enough and doing a good job and that really like hit me because I've always been someone that wants to do a really good job and I just one morning I was laying in bed and like felt like I could not get out of bed and I just like I couldn't go keep doing this I felt like a failure I felt like overwhelmed and like I couldn't do anything right and I just get up and like I finally get myself up and I'm going to the bathroom to get ready and Danny's clothes are in the bathroom and I just grabbed those clothes I went through his door open and threw his clothes at him and then just ran off and he was like what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with this chick I'm depressed <laughs> and, I, I, and I, I was just like I didn't I don't even think I made sense I was just crying and I was like I can't even get out of bed I don't know like I don't and like just yelling at him and he starts yelling at me back I mean obviously he like he gets woken up to something crazy going on and he's just like like you don't have to take this out on me but not so nice way (laughs) I think we Chris and I didn't talk about the time that you guys lived in New York I'm not sure why but I think maybe for both of you guys it was marked with a little bit of depression yeah we drank a lot you're not the only friends that I have who have lived there and who have not loved living there. I mean, I do think it's a love-hate thing. that We know people. Like, you know our friend Bianca? Mm-hmm. She grew up in Abilene, Texas. Like, nothing like New York City. And she's lived there for like four or five years now. And 
and I mean, she can complain about certain things, but she likes it. Mm-hmm. She like found herself there and is doing really well there. And there's a lot of people like that. And then there's the people that don't love it. Like, this is what I tell people who ask me about New York in general. I'm like, if you haven't been there, you have to visit. Like, I would recommend visiting a few times. It's an awesome city. I didn't love living there. I wouldn't recommend living there. Unless you're like a millionaire, I think it's probably really hard. Oh, that was the thing we talked about all the time was New York would be a lot different if you had money. Yeah. A lot different. Yeah. But when you don't have any money, you're just trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and it felt very much like a trap because we sold our cars to go, you don't need cars. Mm-hmm. But then you just lose that piece of like, I can leave whenever I want. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, technically we could get on a plane and go, but you, the second you kind of take a step out of the city, it really feels like you're like stepping outside of like a snow globe or something. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you're just in this place, in this culture, and it's just so all encompassing. And it was... I think around my birthday, we took the train um, upstate just a little bit, went to the small town um, called Coldstream. And it was actually like similar to home. And it was the most relieving experience. The second that we like kind of got the city out of sight, we were on this train, you could see like trees and like small houses. It really felt like the sense of relief. Um, it, it's just insane. I remember when we would come home, like every single time, when we were on our way back, whether we were driving or flying, there would be a point where I'd start crying because I'm just like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can get back into it. And then you get into it and you get used to it and it's not that bad, but it's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress to live there. Yeah. So when you say when you would go home, like when you were flying back to New York city, you would just feel the pressure coming back As soon as we would be like leaving home, like leaving here Mm -hmm. Louisville, um, and like getting ready to get on that plane at some point, it, I don't, we, whether we'd be like at the ticketing line or on the plane ready to take off at some point, I would just start crying. So this is really important. I think, I mean, you might not realize it, but I don't know how many people know that you guys lived in New York city, but one thing I think they probably think when they think about that is damn, they had this awesome experience. They got to live in New York city and like yada, yada, yada. And I'm so jealous and envious of their experience. And, um, I think maybe I would have fallen into that category a little bit because I was stuck at home in my same old vibe, doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That was when you were working at Starbucks too, yeah. right? And so it's I think it's awesome, just an awesome opportunity for people to hear like no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing, and no matter what your experiences are, you're still dealing with the bullshit that is life. Like life yeah. is often lame, no matter if you're <laughs> in an awesome place. <laughs> Like, you still have those same challenges. And I think it's nice for people to get a chance to hear, like, yeah, we were living in New York City, and, like, it seems like it was really cool, and we were getting to have all these amazing experiences, but it was really challenging, and I was really bummed out, and I was in you're living outside of your comfort zone. I think Chris would probably say the same thing. Oh, Chris disliked it a lot more than I did. Really? <laughs> and, I mean, it wouldn't always show, but... When we would come home, I remember my parents would say, like, he just doesn't seem like himself. He gained a lot of weight the year that we lived in New York. Um, and he drank a lot. Like, I drank a lot more than two. And that's also part of the culture. Mm-hmm. People don't go to people's houses because all everyone's apartment is, like, really small. Mm-hmm. So you meet at bars and people drink. And that's the culture. But, like, even when, just when Chris would come home, he'd stop at, like, the convenience store and grab one of those big, like, uh, limeritas. Mm-hmm. That was his drink at the time. Um, and every day, I mean, you know, it, I think that that had a lot to do with the stress of it. Yeah. 
Um, but I do like I agree with that. You know, no matter what you're doing, there's always something hard. And in this culture that we live in of social media, it's really hard to see the hard times. And I mean, even in general, when you're just talking to people, unless they're your close friend, they're not likely going to tell you what they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to discount that it was an awesome experience. And I feel very I'm very glad I did it. I would never take it back in a million years. Um, I got to learn a lot more than just nutrition while I was up there. I got to learn culture. I got to learn struggle. Like, you know, I worked with some really, really low income people as part of my rotations. And in New York, low income is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine like just regular income is hard. Um, and, And I met a lot of really great people. I'm sure I would have met great people wherever I went, but... I, I don't know. I feel like my internship wasn't the best school. It wasn't the best program. I didn't have the best rotations. But, you know, I have a particular friendship from there that I'm just like, I would have, I'm so glad I went through it just for this person. That's awesome. And you learned, you had to have learned a ton. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm learning about nutrition and dietetics and how to work in a clinical setting and how, like, I worked in WIC. I worked at this place called God's Love We Deliver, which is similar to Meals on Wheels, but they focus on people with, like, HIV and AIDS um, and other people that are disabled that can't, like, grocery shop for themselves. Um, I know I did a bunch of other rotations, but I also, like, I worked in a kosher kitchen. I had no experience with kosher food before, um, and I, like, spent months in a kosher kitchen, so I learned all about that, um, and I learned how to use, like, interpreter lines, because sometimes when I'd be calling people, they wouldn't speak English. Like, I was talking to this one lady, or I had to call this one lady who spoke Creole, and so I, like, had to call the interpreter line and learned how to use that, and... That's cool. When do you... So, during all that time, you talked about how everything was very clinical. It was all about like what's going to be happening like inside of hospitals and nursing home facilities, and I guess that's the a really big side of uh, dietics. Dietetics. Yeah. So being a dietitian, um, that basically means that you can write nutrition prescriptions depending on which state you live in. Um, basically, outside of the clinical setting, technically anyone can give nutrition advice, which is really scary. So I think that's why they focus on clinical because that's what sets us apart. Like doing what I do now, being a nutrition coach, you don't have to be a dietitian to do that. I mean, I think you're better at it if you're a dietitian, honestly, but you don't have to be. And so I think that's part of why, you know, the clinical world is so big. Plus it's needed. I mean, all these hospitals, all these nursing homes, they need dietitians. So yeah, my undergrad was very clinical focused my internship my longest rotation was in clinical um but i did do like i said like i worked at some community places like WIC and god's love we deliver in the senior center i worked i did a research rotation and then i worked in that food service which was in an assisted living facility um but you know it was in the kitchen so but at that point really what you're doing is you're making meal plans for elderly or potentially kind of unhealthy people who are so sick that they really need to change their diet well and like the assisted living is that what you're talking about or just any it just like up to that point was that like was that kind of the focus was like um so depending on which place i was so yeah in clinical it was you know very much well when you're working in long-term care it's m- mostly symptom management and preventing weight loss because you have a lot of people as they age they get sick they get dementia they might be on medications like iv antibiotics that really affect their appetite um and so weight loss is your hugest like 
thing that you're dealing with in long-term care, preventing it, mm-hmm. um, which seems, you know, very opposite of what like you people think a dietitian does. Yeah, it seems very opposite of definitely of what you're doing now, I think. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and you know, because it, it, it is, it was all symptom management. It wasn't like trying to prevent anything. These right. people, they already have diabetes. They already have kidney disease. They're on dialysis. They have heart failure. You're just trying to help them feel okay for the rest of their life. So when did you get your first experience or, or when did you really decide that you were more interested in the side that was more about preventative and like maintenance and like life patterns of behavior and stuff like that. I mean, I think I always wanted to do that. So that was always your original plan. Yeah. Or at I, least your original I didn't interest. know how to do it. I had no idea because there aren't a lot of jobs gotcha. where you can do that without like working for or promoting things I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Like weight loss supplements or certain medications. I mean, because all of these programs that are looking for a dietitian, they already have their own protocol. Mm-hmm. And if I don't agree with it, like I don't want to work for them. Plus they don't really pay fair rates for dietitians. Plus they're just settings. looking for you to use, to apply your level of expertise to, I guess, kind of plug the product that they're already yeah. peddling. Anyway. Yeah. And I mean, I could, you know, look more into trying to partner with some like local doctors and get in their offices and stuff. I was actually working with a nurse practitioner for a little while, um, who kind of ended up like firing me, but <laughs> she had some very like different beliefs I call them beliefs, but I feel like it's just science. But she has some different beliefs than I did. She promoted some certain diets that aren't necessary or very well backed by science, but I don't know. So you so you were so you, you ended your internship, you guys came back to Louisville. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so that was awesome. It was. We actually moved back the weekend of Labor Day. So that first meet weekend that we moved to New York was 4th of July. We went and saw that fireworks show at my cousin's. We were driving back to Louisville and we were driving through Cincinnati. And I guess they do a fireworks show for Labor Day. As we were driving through, there was literal fireworks in the sky. <laughs> and then you see the sign, welcome to Kentucky. And my heart was just like, oh my God, I'm home. <laughs> That's amazing. And then what did you start doing once you got back? Uh, worked at UPS. Oh, okay. Because I like, I didn't want to work in clinical and I didn't, I, first, I had to pass my RD exam. That was part of it, is that, you know, I had to study for a while because it's pretty hard. And so I wanted to take, make sure I was getting, like, an easy job that I could come home and put the time in and study to pass this exam. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I worked at UPS and was, like, job searching while I was working there because I figured, you know, it's easy to get a job there. It's easy to quit there. Um, I Then I got that job where I ran the kitchen at the assisted living facility and it was interesting because it was a brand new facility. I got to open that kitchen. I got to completely create the menu. I got to hire the staff. It was a totally new experience for me. I had never hired and fired people before. Um, but yeah, I kind of hated it because it was a lot of hours and I did not like managing people. I, I just I just wanted to cook. And I missed culinary, honestly. I had been in this nutrition dietetics field for like a while through school and stuff. And even though I worked in restaurants during a lot of it, during my internship, I didn't, and I really, really missed it. And so that was part of what kind of prompted me to go into food service. But at that point when I was working 70 and 80 hours a week, and it didn't ever seem like it was going to change, I would finally get a couple staff members, and then someone would quit, or I'd have to fire somebody. And it was just this constant revolving door, and I felt like I would never get the staff to run this kitchen the way I wanted to. And that was just like, I don't care what I'm going to do. I just need to get out of here. And so I got a job in long-term care, which I never thought I would do that. But I had to get out. I didn't even care. I put in my notice before I had another job. What a risk. I did not care. I had to get out. 
And so what is long-term care? Because I don't even know. Nursing homes. Oh, just like a... Yep. I actually worked for... um, I worked with a company that contracted, but I worked in signature buildings, which I know Nate worked there too. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Maybe you saw him. Maybe you guys were... I don't know. uh, He was like a... um, He was kind of up there, so... And I was only in each building one to two days a week because yeah. I worked in like four different buildings. So. Yeah, he's like he had, he was the administrator for a specific building. Uh, yeah, I think I remember him talking about. It. I don't think I was at that building. Mm. Um, I was at like Bummer. Radcliffe Town and a couple in Louisville. And and you did that for a while for until like you finally over two years. Yeah. yeah, and I it was crazy because this was what I didn't want to do. I did not want to do this. This is not the job I wanted. But being. A consultant was kind of nice because I could just do the work and go home Mm -hmm. or sometimes I had to stay later and do the work. But some days like during certain times of the year, um, like the summer, it it gets a little bit easier. There's a lot less falls, a lot less people getting flu and stuff. And so there's just a lot less weight loss, a lot less um, new admissions because a lot of it, too, is like rehab people from hospitals. So if someone went to the hospital with pneumonia, they might come here for like two weeks just to make sure that they're okay to go home. Um, so that part was nice, but I never loved the work. Yeah. My favorite thing I got to do every month was go in the kitchen because I do a monthly audit to make sure that they were doing everything right and going to talk to like the dietary managers and be back in that kitchen setting. But the actual charting, it sucked. Yeah. I, I did not like it. And basically what you're doing is you're like keeping tabs of what these old people are eating pretty much. Um, yeah. I mean. There was a few different reasons like I would have to chart on people. People that were on dialysis needed a lot of attention. I'd have to be like looking at their labs, making sure that certain things weren't too high um, and then going and educating or changing their diet if like their potassium was high or something. And I noticed that they were like getting double portions of potatoes every day. I'd be like, okay, we can't do this because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not good for your body or people with diabetes. um, You know, I'd go in and educate sometimes. The biggest one was weight loss, though. Oh, and people on tube feeding or TPN, which is like the IV nutrition. Mm-hmm. I would have to do those assessments every month. What was the most frustrating part about that whole job? Was that I didn't know my place. Mm. I was a consultant. I didn't work for the company. Certain buildings gave me a lot of respect. Certain buildings did not. Um, and it was really, and I was in a bunch of different buildings. So I had a new administrator, new like nurse leads, a new nurse practitioner, new doctors well some of the doctors were over a lot of the same buildings but you know it was a lot of different relationships to make and the buildings where like the people actually respected my opinion and like let me come to meetings like those were really good but the ones where they like wouldn't tell me when high-risk meetings were and they would try to like evade me because I called them out on certain things that was part of my job was to make sure that they were doing things right and there's a lot of pressure from the company that I worked for to be this authoritative figure when it came to certain things, um, like making sure that they were serving meals correctly. But if the building didn't respect you, it was really hard to hold that position. Mm-hmm. And and were you held accountable for the decisions that they made? If they chose to disregard your advice, would, could you get in trouble for that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I usually would just note it. Like I, oh, yeah. I would do my monthly assessment. So I'd be like, uh, I noticed that there is expired food in like the nurse's snack fridge and I made the nurse manager aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that just covered my butt. Yeah. That's kind of, that's a lame position to be in though, where you have to do that like CYA kind of like, uh, you spend oh a lot God. of your time. Yes, so much of it. Even like the medical charting, because if someone's losing weight, sometimes you can't help it. If they are super, like have, have really advanced stage dementia and the family does not want to do two feed 
and they just will not eat, you can do everything in your power and they're not going to stop losing weight. Yeah. And so you did that for two whole years. A little over two years. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for part one of Miss Emily Berry. If you're a Patreon patron, go check out patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcast and sign in and you can listen to the second half of the show because you are awesome. If you want to have access to that amazing opportunity as well, go over to patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts and become a patron. You can do it for as little as $5 a month. You guys have seen the studio now. That would never have happened without the support of all of my friends and patrons. So if you appreciate what we're doing over here and you want to see the show grow, go check out patreon.com. You can also help out by sharing the Facebook page and the Instagram page. You can just search Just Friends Podcast on Facebook. On Instagram, we're justfriends.podcast. Share links to those pages. Share the ads. I don't care. Let everybody know what's going on over here Just Friends. I've already had a lot of really interesting opportunities for new guests, and I'm really excited about that. And it's all happening because you guys have been spreading the word. You've been sharing the episodes and the links with all of your friends. And I really appreciate it. Now more than ever, it's obvious how much we need each other, how much we need community. There might be somebody out there who would really appreciate the chance to get a visit from a friend. It's been really fun talking to you guys. I can't wait to see you all on Wednesday. Be sure to check out part two of our conversation with Miss Emily Berry. I hope everybody has a fantastic beginning of the week. And I love you all. Bye.